0: We are kind of putting a cap on our portion of this series we've been in throughout June. We've been talking, we started this month asking the question, why church? And then from that we moved to asking the question, well, why do we gather? What's the point of gathering together? Then we asked, well, why do we scatter? We believe that the church is something that gathers together and scatters out to actually be the church in the community. So we asked, well, why do we scatter? And so this week we're going to move on from why church, why gather, why scatter to to how church. All right, which isn't as grammatically correct as why church, Um, but so if we're going to basically ask how to church, all right, we're going to talk about how to church today, all right, and we started this asking the question, why church, and kind of the answer, the short version, we're not going to hear the entire sermon again, but the short version of that was, uh, we find this in Ephesians 3, and it says this, it says, it says, His intent intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose, the accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Basically, the point of the church is that we make known what God has done through Jesus. That the whole universe might see what God is doing and and that the church is, is the vehicle for this. That how we live, how we live together, how we interact with people, how we love each other, that, that we actually can display good news. That we get to display new creation, the new humanity that God's put together. And, and we see the Bible as we look through it. That the Bible is a story of God creating a people group that gives glory to God in the way they live, and the way they create, and the way they shape their community. And so that's why the church exists, so so that how we live and how we love other people and how we interact with other people, that people might see the glory of God, that people might see the plans of God for the world. And so that's why we exist. So now we turn the question to how, because that seems like a tall order. That seems like something that's a a big responsibility to say, wow, we're, we're here to show the mind, the heart of God to the world. So how do we do that? And as we look at it, there's there's an individual component to that. There's a way that we act toward individuals, individual people. There's kind of a, a communal, societal component to that, and, and then there's a bridge between us and people. We're going to look at those three things today, um, pretty quickly today. Uh, but the first thing um, we see that how do we church? The first thing we see is this individual component. The first thing we do as a church, and the first thing the first thing we do is how we church is we make disciples. And we see this when Jesus uh, instituted the church. He, he, he gave this thing called the Great Commission. And I was reading some research um, this week, which kind of was surprising to me, that of people who consider themselves regular churchgoers. All right. Um, how many of you have ever heard of the Great Commission? All right. Sweet. There's a lot of hands up in here. How many of you could actually kind of say what it, what it is? All right. A little fewer hands, but uh, still a good number of hands. So of regular... Church goers, they found that 17% of self identified church goers knew what the Great Commission was. All right. 17. So less than a fifth of people that are in church knew what the Great Commission was and could actually say what it is. Um, and so for, if, if you're part of that 17%, awesome. If you're part of that new math, real fast, 83%, um, this is the Great Commission right here. As Jesus left his disciples, he gathered them together and he said that this is Matthew 28, starting in verse 18. Then Jesus came and he said to them that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. We could stop and, and just spend the entire night talking about what this means and unpacking what this Great Commission means. Talking about how, how this is a declaration that the earth and everything in it actually belongs to Jesus. And as we talk about good news of the kingdom of God coming, we're talking about everything coming under the reign of Jesus and working the way, way it should if we actually follow Jesus as our king. We could talk about that. Oh, we, we could talk about how... Most of us think that the imperative in this verse is go, but it's not. It's make disciples. It's as you're going. And to say that, listen, wherever you are, as you're going, you're making disciples. We talk about um, how within that there's this, there's this command to go make disciples, but there's also a comfort and a hope saying, listen, as you do this, I'm going to be with you always. That you're not going off your own, it's not just Jesus saying, all right, go do this thing and We'll, we'll, we'll hook up in a few hundred years and see how you did. It said, I'm going with you. We we'll want to see what this means to make disciples because the only command in this entire passage is that we make disciples and it explains it a little bit more. So, what does it mean to make disciples? Simply yeah, like a disciple is someone who is studying to become like the person who, who you're studying with. All right, so to make disciples is to usher people in following Jesus All right, and that involves several things what it means first is that is that we tell the story of Jesus listen last week we talked a little bit about how it's important to scatter because if we don't scatter and actually go to people to tell the story of Jesus then the story of Jesus gets told by just whoever has the loudest voice and so we actually go and we actually speak the story of Jesus and who Jesus is. we tell the story of Jesus we tell the story of a savior. Who who came to us, became human, so understands what it's like to struggle, understands what it's like to be to be pushed to the side, understands death, understands heartache, understands all of these things, but brings life. And brings life through his own death and his resurrection. So we tell the story. But as we tell the story, what we have to do as well, we have to show the meaning of what it what it means to follow Jesus. As we tell the story, we we should be demonstrating the story as well. And and let's be honest, because we don't always do a good job of this. We don't always do a great job of of demonstrating what it looks like to follow Jesus, because there are times that we follow something else besides Jesus. That we get sidetracked and, and we... put our own personal preference, we, we find something else that says this is the highest good that I need to follow. And so we don't always follow Jesus well. And that means that if there are times when we aren't following Jesus and we're putting ourselves out there saying I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Jesus, this is what it looks like. This means that at its core one of the first things we have to understand that a key to Making disciples, a key to discipling someone, begins with repentance. It begins with us acknowledging that you know, we don't follow well all the time. It begins with the humility to say that this is where I have messed up. You know, uh, Martin Luther said actually the entire life of a Christian is that of repentance. And what that's not, what that isn't, that isn't like just a life of self-flagellation. It's not saying, oh, I'm horrible all the time. But but what it is, it is taking how we act, taking how we follow seriously. It's in that moment when we realize we've messed up, whether it's we've just done something wrong that's against our unconscious, whether we have messed up and sinned against someone else, that we don't try to self-justify in that moment. That we don't say, well, here's why I actually was right. Or or here's why it's okay that I I did this. Or I I know I didn't treat you well, but we take that moment and say, no, in this moment, I was wrong. We say in this moment, you know, I didn't even realize I was wrong, but now I see how I've hurt someone or or I've, I've strained this relationship and I'm going to repent. Because that's showing the way of Jesus. There's repentance. that takes our these behaviors seriously. We don't try to self-justify, and so we we repent toward toward God and say, "Listen, I'm not following Jesus the way I'm supposed to." We repent toward other people, and we begin to see relationships heal when we take that stuff of repentance. and then to that moment, we actually tell the story of healing of relationships between people between people and God, because we're demonstrating that. And then what happens is so we repent, we begin with repentance, and then you know what we go on and, and we just we do the next right thing. And we do some things well, and we do the next thing and mess up, and then you know what? We start over again. We 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 repent and say, This is where I've messed up. I have not treated you as someone whom God loves, I've not treated you as a creation of God, I've not viewed myself as someone whom God loves, and, and so I repent of that and I receive forgiveness and we know that we receive that forgiveness because of the death of resurrection of Jesus. And so when we walk confidently in repentance, because we know that forgiveness is assured by the Savior, we can actually love other people. More on that later. So we make disciples. So We, we tell the story of Jesus. We demonstrate the story of Jesus. We begin to show, listen, if, I, if I'm a follower of Jesus, then this is what this life looks like. That I take how I interact with people seriously. I take how I interact with God seriously. I take inter- how, I, how I'm telling the story seriously. And I own up to when I'm not, I don't do it well because, you know what? We fundamentally tell the story of messing up. And tell a story of receiving forgiveness when we mess up. And telling a story of seeing a relationship reconcile when we mess up. Because that's the story we find in Scripture. It's the story we find of Jesus. How we he, how he reacted toward us. So this is how we act with other people. So we make disciples, we tell this story, and we invite people into this story to say, this is what following Jesus means. It means forgiveness. It means taking the step toward doing this right thing and having Jesus as king. And it's a continual invitation as we look in the Great Commission that this is an invitation that's extended to every single person. And so we make Disciples. We show them how it means to follow Jesus. We tell them what it means to follow Jesus. And so that's this individual component of how we church. See, how we church, we, we reach out to individuals and say, listen, there is forgiveness, there is wholeness. Um, let me invite you in. I want to show you how. something I experienced. And yes, life's still a mess, but this is pulling me through. So there's an individual component. There's also a, a broader component because we see in Scripture in Colossians, this isn't up there, it says it says that That God through Christ was reconciling all things to himself, whether it's heaven or earth, things under the earth, all things. And so when we see this good news, it's not just about an individual that says, all right, you and God can have that relationship restored. That is great news, but that's not all the good news that's in this. Because it's not just that you and God can have your relationship fixed. It's not just that you and other people can have your relationships fixed. It's actually everything that has gone wrong with the world that in Jesus God is setting right which is something amazing, and that has broad implications for everything. And so what it means, so yes, we make disciples, there's an individual invitation into that, there's good news for the individual, there's also good news for the world, and so yes, we make disciples, and we also, we pursue justice. And this is why this is not something that's an add-on, we talk about pursuing justice, what we're talking about is the restoration of things to the way they should be. And as we pursue justice, what we were doing, we were declaring the world as it should be, declaring the world as it will be, because God is recreating the world through Jesus. And so this isn't a secondary side thing to the gospel, this is part of it, that yes, the individual is central in this, but also creation is central in this, that, that he's working to reconcile everything together. So there's this communal, societal component as well. Um, we see this throughout Scripture, and, and we could do Micah 6.8 because that was the one that um, we put up on pictures and we tattoo on our arms and things like that. Um, but I, I want to read Isaiah 1.17. It says this, "'Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil and learn to do good. Seek justice, correct oppression.'" Bring justice to the fatherless and plead the widow's cause. This says, listen, there are people within our culture that, that are trampled on that don't necessarily recognize their rights. And so we speak on their behalf. So we display what the world would look like if we all follow the way of Jesus. Listen, that's what justice is. Justice is demonstrating the kind of world we would live in if we all followed the way of Jesus. If we all lived a life where we submitted to God and to each other, if we all lived a life where the law of love was the law that, that ruled, this world would begin to be a just world. Because you see that broken people, broken sinful people make broken sinful systems. And, and what we see is we talk about there's an individual component of being church where we reconcile individuals to God and we become reconciled individually but, but here's the deal. Um, personal reconciliation isn't a solution for systemic injustice. And while yes we need to focus on, on relationship between people we need to introduce people to, to reconcile relationship with God. Just doing that doesn't actually heal the systems in which oppress people. And so if we are going to demonstrate and declare the whole gospel, how everything is good news, how everything is being made right, and as Jesus, yes, we, we, we focus on the individual, but we also have to understand that just focusing on the individual isn't a solution for systemic injustice. And, and, what, and all of this matters because we aren't just talking about ideas. It's so easy to, to talk about abstract things in justice, but this isn't ideas. We're not just hypothesizing about a a what-if scenario. This matters because justice involves people and and their lives and their value before God. So when justice happens to the least of these, then God celebrates. And and so there's there's two reasons for this. The first thing is, is that it displays a reconciled people who are working for a reconciled world. And so if we carry a message of good news saying that God is setting things right, and we're a people as God is working in us to set us right, so we live together this way, then we should see that as an outgrowth of who we are. We should see things differently because we're a people. So so this displays a reconciled people who are working toward a reconciled world. It's sharing that story of Jesus through how we interact. Now the second reason is this. Listen, we, we can't Carry a message that all people are created in the image of God, are loved by God, with whom God wants a reconciled relationship, and then ignore their welfare. We can't say that God loves you and God wants this relationship with you. We can't say God cares for you, but then turn around and say, but this is just the way the world is, sorry. So if we are going to carry a message with the love of God, if we are going to carry a message that all people are created in the image of God, if we are going to carry a message that God cares so much for this individual that he would send a son to die, to raise again, to bring someone life, then we also have to carry the message that we care about their welfare. Which, which brings us to this last bit. I'm going to close with, with this bridge. So if we look at how we church, we understand that We make disciples that we usher people in to following Jesus. We usher people into a place of repentance, uh, of actually accepting you know, the gift of life from Jesus, that we usher into what it means to follow Jesus. as He said in the Great Commission that we teach them to obey what Jesus commanded, which we're going to get to in a little bit. We we say, listen, this is what it means to follow Jesus. We also work out in the community, we work in our society, say, listen, if we follow Jesus, this is what It should look like for us to care for each other. And that brings us to this bridge, this bridge of how we church. Besides making disciples, besides seeking justice, it comes down to loving our neighbor. See, this is the bridge. This This is what actually connects people to following Jesus. This is what connects people to becoming disciples. This is what connects people to understand what justice is. This is that bridge. So in John thirteen thirty four we saw it in the great commission that Jesus said, "Listen, make disciples, teaching them to obey all I have commanded you." John thirteen, Jesus says this. He says, "A new commandment I give you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another." So as we teach others to observe what Jesus has commanded, we teach others to love others, and we do this ourselves. So we have to ask, all right, so how how do we love others as Jesus loved others? We look through scripture, and we could spend an entire year of Sundays looking at how Jesus loved. Because we get asked the question of, who did Jesus love? And you look through scriptures, and there's no barrier. There, There are people that are religious. There are people that are not religious. There are people that are part of the mainstream society. There are people that are outside mainstream society. There are people that are seemingly whole, and there are people that are completely broken. And to all these people, Jesus brings love. There are people that are visibly struggling and people that, that have struggles that we don't know about. And to these people, Jesus brings love. So we love our neighbor. Even very explicitly, someone asks him, asked him, what's the greatest commandment? He says, listen, you love the Lord your God with everything. and You love your neighbor as yourself. To that, this guy asks, well, who's my neighbor? And Jesus told him the story about someone who you wouldn't expect to be the one who is a neighbor. This is is the person that's that's looked down upon. This is the person that's usually the bad guy in our stories, yet they were the one that that acted as the neighbor. You see, there's no one cut off from being your neighbor. There's no one cut off from this love. This love is for everyone. So if we love as Jesus loved, first we have to see the who, that no one is outside of that. So which means that there are times when we, in these situations, we have to ask, this person, how do I love this person? This person just cut me off, how do I love that person? This person, I have have issues with somebody at work, how do I love this person? This person I see on TV and makes my blood boil, how do I love this person? What does this mean? Or this person that that seems unlovable, how do I love them? This person who, who is cast off, how do I love this person? This commandment to love as Jesus loved because there's no one that's separated from the love of God because of what Jesus has done. Another thing we have to ask is all right, so how did Jesus love people? And again, we could spend another year about that, of how Jesus went to those where they were in situations where it wasn't the right place to go, there weren't the right type of people to go to, it wasn't the right timing. That this isn't the right time to go help and love someone, and he went anyway. There's no no barriers to that, and then we see that what love ultimately did was cost him his life. To say, listen, that my love is so complete, my love is so vast, that I care more about your life than mine. I care more about you experiencing wholeness than my life. This paints a picture of what it's like to, live, to love like Jesus. It dis- and when we love this way, it, dis- it displays a life of following Jesus. What it also does, it also gains an opportunity to actually tell the story of Jesus. To say, I've received a love that is so vast, I can't help but love it. That I've had the eyes of God on me that says you're a beloved child of God, and I want others to experience that. So we love like Jesus and then full circle, we teach other people to observe. What we've commanded. We say, listen, we receive forgiveness from God, and so now we're free to love. We know that our future is secure with the God of the universe and this new heaven and new earth, and so. We're free to love because we know that's that's where we're headed. And so we're free to love, to build this bridge, to love our neighbor, to love everyone. So we ask, how do we church? And as we talk about how we church here at Missio, it's these three things. You can boil down everything we want to do as a church, everything we want to be as a church, these three things. We want to make disciples, we want to introduce people. To Jesus and understand who Jesus is, and, and show them what it means to follow Jesus and invite them in the following Jesus. We see that wholeness lies in that. And as we do that, we want to pursue justice because we see a world of people who are truly chasing after Jesus as one that fixes these systems so that folks aren't on the underside of society. And as we do that, we actually tell a story of love. The primary reason way we do that is by we love. Our neighbors, to find by anyone that's around us. We love those around us, and in doing so, we actually get to do all three together. And so, invitation tonight it is, if you're at a place where where you say like, "I want to live a life that is a life of love," then I want to invite you into a life that's following Jesus. It's one that 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 begins as we said, with repentance and forgiveness, that says, I know I've messed up, I know I've made other things more important than God in my life, and that's had so many effects. But there is forgiveness, there is reconciliation in the death and resurrection of Jesus. That begins that pursuit of this life of, of repentance, of misstepping and being made whole, that, that we get to pursue love. So I want to invite you into that. If, if, if you've never stepped out and said... I want to follow this Jesus. I want my life to be this life of love. I want to experience forgiveness and wholeness. And then I want us to, to, as a church, understand this invitation that if we are going to live a life of love, then we are committed to living a life that is for others. It's loving individuals, inviting them in to follow Jesus, it's loving our neighbors, pouring out ourselves for their benefit and it's loving our city, our world, so much that we see broken systems be turned upside down so that people might know their value, their worth, and the love of God. And so we, we kind of flipped our perspective a little bit today. We're going to pray at the end, but first we're going to receive communion. And as we receive communion, I've often mentioned this, that one of the pictures of communion is we receive communion because it's a reminder of what Jesus has done for us that we find our life in His death, in His resurrection, that His body, that love compelled Him to let His body be broken, to let His blood be shed, so that we might live. But in that, in the imagery of Scripture, the early church fathers and early church mothers actually saw something in this as well, seeing that that some of the apostles said that the church is the body of Christ, and so if we gain life from the broken body of Christ, then we as the church. We should strive to be broken for the life of other people. So as we receive communion tonight, we remember that our life is found in the death of Christ. That our life is found because of the love that Christ had for us and that love compels us to pour ourselves out for others.